the crazy thing about this is that it's so isolating. Like, it puts this person that we've now decided is canceled on the island. They might as well have died when they've done this wrong thing. I think that that kicks out the entire concept of restorative justice. The alternative to that is let's maybe see how we can reconcile this person for the sake of everyone involved, not just the person that's done something wrong, the victims. How do we make this right for everyone? How do we find a way for this person to correct what they've done rather than just be punished for it? Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello, hello. It is season four, episode six of Real Talk with Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Today, we are talking about cancel culture. If you're not super online, you may not even be aware (laughs) of what cancel culture is because this is a relatively new phenomenon. Well, let me correct that. I don't know that it's actually a new phenomenon, but it's a new name for a phenomenon. Yeah, we've added a completely new name to it. We've rebranded it. Now we're canceling people. That's right. Instead of boycott. Them. I didn't realize I was subscribing to people yet, but I think we're canceling people now. That's yeah. cool. Boycotting is kind of the old word for this and yeah. canceling is the new word, I guess. Yeah. In the age of subscriptions and all that. I hadn't really thought about that, I, but that's probably where that comes See, from. I'm already dropping knowledge. You're welcome. Look at you. Isaac is super online. You, you can renew your yearly Isaac subscription <laughs> at the end of this podcast. I would like to do that. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not canceling Isaac. No. Social media has amplified this idea yeah. of cancel culture mm-hmm. and it's created some new dynamics around this that have really started to take off even in the last year or two. Mm. Yeah. And we're going to talk about both from a Christian perspective, from a mainstream perspective, when is it appropriate to cancel someone? When mm. do we maybe go a little bit too far right. in this area? What about restoration? Yeah, Is that something that should still play a role in cancel culture? Mm. And is it possible for us to get a little too excited i guess maybe kind of embrace the mob mentality of cancel culture and uh, do we need to say some cautionary words about that so that's all coming up a little bit later in the show but first we're gonna start off with hypothetically speaking Yeah, we are. You guys ready? I got a good one. So ready. So ready. I I love these. These are always like one of my favorite parts of the podcast. I'm I'm 50-50. Sometimes I feel like I have terrible answers. (laughs) Really? Let's go. Are you kidding? I always love your answers. Your answers are always epic. Okay. Okay. So you're given a magical billfold, which already sounds amazing to me. Yes. (laughs) Yes, please. That spawns up to $100,000 in cash as you pull it out. After one hour... The billfold and any cash that was not spent purchasing something, so a product or service, oh my gosh, disappears. Okay. This includes any money deposited into a bank account, left under your mattress, and so on. Okay. Dang it. <laughs> not saving any of it. So what do you do? Oh, man. How long? Uh, an hour. An hour. That is not very long. It's not very long. And it's in cash, right? Yeah. As you pull it out, like it spawns more. Okay, so more. see, the, the thing that I initially was thinking was like, okay, I got to go to Amazon. Yeah. But right. like, but I have cash. So, so you're cash, limited to you where that? you can go. So I have to like physically spend this money. So you better yeah. go quick. I mean, first thought is I'm going to Walmart. <laughs> right. Because that's like the place right. where I could get the most stuff. That's true. But then I also just had another thought. Like, are they going to be suspicious? Like when I walk in and like, yeah, in cash. I, 
I mean, I don't even know that I could spend a hundred thousand. I know. Just say like ten thousand or something. Yeah. Right? Like if I pull out ten thousand dollars in cash to buy a bunch of like TVs, they're gonna arrest you. You're going on stuff, a list. Like, yeah. Are they gonna let me check out? Hmm. So, so then you're kind of limiting yourself to places that you can only spend cash at, uninhibited by people going. What's is that? This okay. Yeah, this is not normal. And I think that that limits you to either Walmart. Maybe I think Walmart probably they've seen everything, so yeah. that's probably happened. I mean, if, at one if you point. spend a few thousand dollars there, that's probably yeah, you're happen. But ten thousand or you only 000. you only have an hour to do this. So like, yeah, if I go to Walmart and I buy say like a couple TVs, right. And I don't even know what else I would buy. I know, right? I think yeah. I would probably go straight to the electronics section. Yeah, things that yeah. are. I would probably buy like a laptop, a couple TVs, and like all the suspicious stuff. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. I'm thinking things that you can buy a couple for yourself and then mm. resell the rest of it to get your money I know, back I know. long term. That makes so, sense that I was too. Thinking, yeah. I honestly think this is dumb, and I'm 50 50 <laughs> on whether or not we're going to delete this segment of my talking. But split your hour, 30 minutes in Walmart, 30 minutes extra at your local gun store. Now, here's why. Oh. Okay. I was once roommates with a guy who bought and sold guns. He would just buy guns, use them for a while, and then sell them secondhand. And he made a ton of money doing this oh. to like a high resale value. High resale value. They always oh. hold their resale value. Now it gets sketchy when I come to my uh. car with a bunch of flat screens and rifles. <laughs> Talking about but, getting put on a list yeah, somewhere. Yeah. No, there was I was a, worried about getting put on a list for buying TVs. And yeah. Isaac's over yeah. at the yeah. gun like, shop, just yeah. like, give there me was, everything you have. <laughs> there was a phase where I would come home to my apartment and a different dude would be there buying or selling a gun and I'm like oh my sick what's That's up guys the FBI's awesome. gonna show up at your house so fast <laughs> yeah. see I'm just thinking it would be hard to get to very many places yeah because yeah. even in a small town like Siloam where our studios are right. right I mean to get to Walmart to maybe like a shoe store to maybe the <laughs> yeah, gun shop the plaza, yeah. I don't know store. like a yeah. few different places yeah. yeah yeah you're gonna run out of an hour really fast right and you have to actually shop in that time too yeah. oh, my and, gosh. oh okay think about this you go into Walmart my first thought was like I'm gonna buy a couple TVs maybe right. some video games that kind of of stuff yeah. yeah those are things that like you need help from an associate to purchase so you gotta oh, find an associate right? yeah. so i have to find a walmart <laughs> associate and get them to help me oh. get the games and get the yeah and i don't know it's, if you guys have ever tried to find a walmart associate oof. or yeah, not it's, it's but difficult. all of a sudden when you need one they're kind of hard to find <laughs> yeah That's can you imagine point. wasting like 15 minutes of oh, your no. one hour shopping spree waiting for like the customer service that person would, at would, walmart that would be terrible just like, come on See, imagine <laughs> you don't understand how much of a hurry i'm in right now <laughs> Imagine, though, if you were able to run to the electronics section, but then like once you're lining that all that stuff up, like you have a guy get the stuff for you while yeah. you're doing that, mm. you run up to the front and start paying for everyone's stuff. I think that'd be really tight. Like that would kind of like diminish the return on the investment. Oh, but, but still, so, that would yeah. be pretty cool, though, just to start handing cash out to people. Now, so before sweet. you start getting a good mental image, I know, of me, I was I've like, also got arms full of guns <laughs> as I'm doing this. So like, don't I've got some guys. Also, like, here's some money. Instead of, instead of give me your money, it's like, take my money. <laughs> like Scaring people in the Walmart parking lot. Confused like, police standoff. Yeah. Ever. Like, He's doing what? what? <laughs> I was. Exactly. I was just thinking that what you could do is like if you got a couple of friends to like work with you, yeah, you, you go back to the like the electronics right. section, you say, buy this, this, and this, you pull out the money, hand it to them, yeah, yeah. and then like run off to the next store or something. Because oh. I think that would probably still be allowed under the rule as long as it they get it like spent it. right yeah. by the, the end of the hour. Yeah, this is just money that you're pulling out of the magic wallet. So yeah, I assume that it stays with it. Okay, an is hour. there anywhere else you guys would go other than like Walmart and the gun store? I just <laughs> I'm just saying we said the shoe store. The shoe store. Shoe would, store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'd go yeah. buy some like yeah. sneakers and stuff. And oh, yeah. I'm thinking gift cards. I'm going to go. Uh, but here's the problem. Where can I get to in a short amount of time? Walmart has like the gift display. Gift feels of- like it's a loophole. 
It does kind of. Yeah, but it could be good if you bought it's like a, a Visa card. Yeah. <laughs> like $5, well, maybe, maybe it, it doesn't count. I don't know. Well, it says a product or service. So I was thinking gift cards for like massages. Like, yeah, for that's forever. true. Yeah. I mean, that, okay. Like that. That seems that's basically legit. like booking oh us. Yeah, that's basically yeah. like booking like a, an lots and lots and lots of <laughs> you massages. load up like a lifetime <laughs> supply of massage. You'd be the most relaxed person. That would be so exciting. You're so nice. Paris, <laughs> like, give me a ten thousand dollar gift card for massages. They're like what? And then <laughs> yeah, like a ten thousand dollar gift card for massages. Then maybe one for shoes, like at a you know mm. fancy shoe store. Then oh my gosh. we gotta do like furniture or something, right? Like a nice furniture. Uh, but yeah. but again, where can I get to in an hour to right. get all? That would, be the, that would be the challenge. That's the problem. What do you prioritize the most? Right. Yes. I'm just laughing at all of our priorities here. I know. <laughs> just how different they are. Yeah. Guns, well, TVs. And massages. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for top three guys these are the top three things that we really love in life and today we're going top three most used apps on your phone now we're excluding the phone app and the texting apps the phone app would not be in my no, top three that's, anyway yeah, not definitely. even mine unless, unless you count spam callers <laughs> yeah yeah like popping the app up themselves well you yeah. win three cruises a week so yeah that's, that's true <laughs> Let's start with Kara. Kara, what's your number three? So number three, we're going to go with Evernote. Um, I spend a lot of time in Evernote. It's like my journal slash where I keep everything. Yeah. Everything that I learn and write. But I'm constantly pulling it up just to process little things to make quick notes. What's your workflow in Evernote? Like, do you just take different notes for everything or like how do you Um, organize it? So I make a lot of notebooks. Mm. I have a variety of notebooks for like a personal journal. I make a 2019 notebook, but then I have a notebook with quotes and stuff. And Mm. then I have a notebook that's called Mind Palace that has passwords and random information. And and then I have a notebook that's for work. I just, yeah, make new notes in all of those. I may need to try Evernote again. I tried to use it a couple of times and I just never yeah. quite got into the habit of using it. Yeah. But right now I'm using Google Keep, which yeah. is basically like yep. just the standard Android notes taking app. Yeah. But it's just massive numbers of <laughs> notes. Yeah. I'll pull up a note and it has just some number on it. I'm like, oh, I have no idea yeah. what this is or yeah. why I wrote this down. Why did I write 13 bananas? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I'm like, maybe yeah. Evernote would help me keep it more organized. I like I it. And I just got to get into the habit of using yeah, it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing is I'm so in the habit that I just I use it a lot. And you can title things. Things, you can search things. It's easy to find things for me. If I'm looking for a specific quote, mm. I just search it and then yeah. that's really helpful. So there I you like go. It. Anson, what's your number three? My number three would be LastPass. I oh. use LastPass a lot. And I'm going to just make a plug out there for anyone who does not yet use a password manager. <laughs> get a password manager. Yeah. It is life changing. What about those of us that scribble on receipts? Answer. Oh, my God. <laughs> life changing. I mean, you, yeah. here's the thing. Nowadays, you have to change your password when like some random service gets hacked. Yeah. Or yeah. your company makes you change it every 90 days or whatever. Yeah. And so you can't just use the same password even if you wanted to. Mm. And on top of that, it's a terrible idea to do that anyway. Yeah. All of us are guilty of doing it. But using a password manager, you can finally have secure passwords and not forget them all of the time. I have a confession about password managers. What's that? What if you forget the password to your password manager program? (laughs) (laughs) 
My you wife actually, actually have, did that. Too. You have to call the president of the company. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. It, it actually is a big problem. Like with with these password managers, a lot of them you cannot reset it I if know. you if you misplace the password That's to them. So bad. This is the my thing problem. that they suggest doing for your master password, as they call it, is instead of doing like a random collection of like numbers and letters or something like that, uh-huh. you create a really long password oh. with like a phrase or something that is weird, but something that you would actually remember. Okay. Like Makes horse sense. orange horse orange race door car. <laughs> right. Something along those lines. Apparently, those are actually just as hard or even harder to crack than random letters and numbers, but they're also easier to remember. Well, that's yeah. cool. You that's do a good that, idea. and then you tattoo that full phrase oh, on the bottom that's of your foot. What it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually use like a full sentence <laughs> as my password yeah. for LastPass because really I remember it, but it's I don't know how many characters long. Uh, but seriously, yeah. I mean, I pull it up on my phone all of the time. Yeah. I'm logging yes. into something. It's genius. Just tap the button. It logs you in. You don't have any of the whole, like, what was that password? No, uh, way. It, it was this variation of it. Uh, did it have an exclamation mark? Did it not? I need to get back to Did it to have this. a number one? Did it not? <laughs> and there are other ones, too. Like, LastPass is just one. Yeah. There are a number yeah. of other password managers. But if you're not using one, yep. get a password manager. Get one. It will change your life. <laughs> right on. My number three is Google Photos. Yeah. Mm. I take so many photos and videos. Videos and everything <laughs> and Google Photos is kind of cool because Google is like hey guys we want to take over the world but here's the deal we're going to offer you free photo storage and free video yeah. storage and turns out and you're like deal <laughs> turns out I'm super on board with it I'm like alright corporatocracy let's go here's all my data <laughs> oh my gosh it's like simultaneously frightening and amazing oh, I know because yeah. like Google Photos it literally like I can type in my wife's name and it pulls up all the photos that she's yeah. in like the search is incredible. Yeah. And I mean, now they have her on file somewhere. <laughs> right. And literally know everywhere she's been yeah, and have yeah. facial recognition uh, on her. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't scary. care because yeah. I can search for Dree in Florida and I get Florida Dree pictures. It's yeah. amazing. Brie and I share albums with each other. And yeah. every time Brie takes like a selfie, oh. my settings are still off to where Google will just drop that in my album. And I'm like, yeah. I'll send like, oh, that's a nice looking shirt. <laughs> Like, oh, the way that we did it is if we take a picture that just has our face in it, it doesn't mm, share it because yeah. those are sometimes embarrassing. Yeah. But if it has our daughter's faces in it, yeah. then it does share it. So anytime oh. we take a picture that has our girls in it, the other person gets it. Yeah. If it's just me sitting at my desk going, hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, Checking I, if I have something in my teeth. Turn, turn that one off. But. <laughs> So good. It is a great, yeah, great app. We've all done that. So my number two is the Kindle app. It's funny because I love real books and I've always been like a real book person. But then once I started using the Kindle app, I was kind of sunk. And I get these daily emails that are really dangerous from modernmrsdarcy.com that has like ebook deals of the day. Uh, and I just like ooh. randomly go through there and I'm like, like $1.99. Yeah. I need so that. Ch- I can afford that. Oh, it's it's so like ridiculous. the Steam app for books. Exactly. Junkies. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's what I was thinking. So I'm addicted to digital books and uh, it's really handy though. And then I love that I can copy and paste stuff from the Kindle app into Evernote. Mm. And I do that quite a bit. I love real books, but it's almost like a pain because if I like underline a quote, I have to like type it in and okay. Instead of like copy and paste. I have a question for you. I've thought about before getting like an e-reader of some kind. Like I've always been intrigued by that. Yes. Do you actually use an e-reader or do you just use your phone? See, that's the funny thing is I had an e-reader for a while and I use the app on my phone more than the e-reader because it's always with me and it's easier to switch back and forth between tasks. And I I like the idea of like the e-ink, all that stuff, but I'm like, I feel 
like I would probably just end up using my phone because that's, that's what I have. That's the thing. Yeah, I like the idea, but I'm like, I feel like I'll use my phone more. My number two is Facebook Messenger. Ah. It's actually not Facebook. It probably would have been my number one, which I'm embarrassed to admit, except for I deleted <laughs> Facebook from my phone a few you. weeks ago. Flex. I haven't completely removed myself <laughs> or extricated myself from Facebook, but yeah. I decided I'm only going to use it when I'm sitting at my desk. That's that was kind of my compromise. Awesome. Mark Zuckerberg would like to know your location. <laughs> That's right. I still use Facebook Messenger a lot, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, my wife with her phone, we're on Net10, which is one of those prepaid providers, oh. which is great because they're a lot cheaper uh, in a lot of situations yeah. compared to the main providers. But my wife has this issue with her phone setup currently where sometimes she doesn't get a text message oh. or when she sends one, other people don't get it. Oh. And so we have this thing sometimes where she tries to text me and then we don't end up connecting oh, on no. something. That's weird. And we used to use Google Allo as our texting thing, but then Google has like schizophrenia or something when it comes to messaging <laughs> Like they cannot figure out what messaging yeah. app they want to oh, use. Oh no! And then there's the whole iMessage thing with Apple people. And when you're on Android, you're like a little yeah. homeless person <laughs> that has no messaging home. And so Facebook Messenger has basically turned into what I use for my messaging service because Dree and I can use it to easily sense. send messages back and forth and reliably get them. Yeah. SMS is terrible. Yeah. It's yeah. not really that yeah. good. And I, I, so Facebook Messenger has kind of turned into the default because there's That's nothing else. Yeah. So I use that with my wife. And then I also have a number of friends in my gaming group that we play games and stuff. We kind of have an ongoing group chat in yeah. Facebook Messenger yeah. that Makes we sense. use to kind of communicate with each other. I don't love it. I wish there was a better messaging service that, mm. I don't know, I felt better about using just because I have this bias against Facebook and I yeah. don't like it. But Facebook Messenger is the best messaging service I've found that's mm. universal and that most everyone has. That's my chat app and that's where I spend <laughs> a good chunk of my time. Makes sense. This uh, whole segment is making me realize how dependent I am on Google now that I switched to uh -huh. Android. Oh. Uh, Google Maps. Google app. <laughs> Google Maps is my number two. Uh, I wow. drive. Do you navigate everywhere you oh go? Oh my gosh. I navigate really? everywhere. It's so good. Do you navigate into work every morning? <laughs> I don't do that. I memorize my route. <laughs> For the first few months after I moved, I was yeah. just That's because awesome. I don't like driving. Like I don't like time spent in the car. Mm. If I could do public transit every day, I would just yeah. because driving is now a chore for me. Yeah. yeah. When I get lost, I just view that as additional time that I yeah. have to be right in the car. <laughs> so Google Maps is like, no, we're going to get you there. It's yeah. going to be right the first time. Uh, Don't worry about weird directions. People telling you to turn left where the word bird is painted on the Bible. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't I hate that. Yeah, yeah. So Google Maps is always where I go. I always think it's really funny when people try to give me direction somewhere and I'm yeah. just like, stop, stop. stop it. <laughs> don't, I don't I don't want your directions. Like I'm going to put in the address. I'm going to and they're like, I have a no, but you need to know like what and I'm like, I kind of do, but your directions are worse. So like, yeah. someone tried to give me cardinal directions the other day. I'm like, am I a sailor? They told me to go <laughs> Go south. Are we hunting for buried treasure? Uh, <laughs> Give me an address. I'll know, find right? it. It's so funny how dramatically that has changed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Big I'm time. so thankful we don't have to use oh my gosh. maps and yeah. an atlas and all that yeah. kind of stuff anymore. Uh, yeah. Another cool thing is I'm a big true crime fan, so I watch a lot of true crime documentaries and stuff. <laughs> and I have location services on for my apps. So Brie and I share locations just so we, like we know. Yeah. Like, I go to work and home every day. And Bree is like out doing a bunch of real estate. So I know where she's at. Um. But if I'm ever accused of like a crime, I can be like, 
No, literally, here is where I have been. Google knows where I've been for every the second last of every day of every months. year. Yeah, like you're bulletproof, man. The other thing I love about Google Maps is beating the estimated time. Yes! Uh, <laughs> says your wow. estimated time of arrival is going to be 5 o'clock. You're like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I'm going to get there at 455. Yeah. Watch it happen. Watch this. Perfect. So, my number one would be Spotify, which feels a little mm. bit wrong to say on a real talk podcast. Sorry, Anson. Get but, out. Yeah. You're fired. I know. I know. I know. Cancelled. <laughs> canceled. So yeah, number one, Spotify. I don't even really know what to say about it, but I'm hooked from the time that I started using Spotify. I remember when, you know, at the end of the year, Spotify does like the year in review things and they tell you like how many hours you spent (laughs) listening or whatever. I remember looking at mine, Kara and I were looking at ours (laughs) because we were sitting here in the studio or something and I was like, wow, I've listened to like, however, I don't even remember thousands of hours. (laughs) It was a lot. Yeah. 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 And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And then Kara was like, oh. I was like, what? <laughs> and she had like triple mine. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't know if I listen as much now that um, I'm married, actually, which is interesting because it used to be like just anytime I was home, I would just literally turn it on. But mm. I, so I may not listen as much as I used to, but I still I mean, when I'm in the car, when I'm getting ready. When and I'm, because of Real FM and, and how much you listen to that, that I mean, obviously. I got no. some work to do on Kara. No, that's <laughs> actually. No, you're right. Actually, there's a lot of times. You where don't I'm, have to say it to no, make me feel true. better. No, it's true. Anton, okay. stop crying. Okay, moving on. <laughs> What's your number one, dude? The Real FM app. <laughs> no, of course. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't do that. My number one is Twitter. Nice. Oh, Twitter right. is up there. Wow. Of all of the social media apps, you've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of these. Twitter has kind of been the one that I've settled on as the one that I personally enjoy. Mm. And I think the reason is I don't feel any societal pressure with yeah. Twitter to follow people that I know. Oh. Like with Facebook, if someone sends me a friend request and I know who they are, they knew who I am. I'm kind of like, I got to accept the friend request. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. would be rude of me not to. And I know you can curate your newsfeed on Facebook by unfollowing people and all of that <laughs> stuff. But I just don't want to go to the trouble of all of yeah. that. Yeah. With Twitter, I don't use Twitter to follow people that I know. I use mm. Twitter to follow topics around yeah. like interests yeah. that I have, right? Which is more So fun. I have sports interests like the Kansas City Royals and right. And yeah. the K-State Wildcats and IndyCar. So I follow people like oh. journalists and stuff who are associated mm-hmm. with these things that's cool and so i get people's takes on the royals game or on whatever or you know maybe there's other things i enjoy like certain video games right video game communities so i follow people associated with those communities and so then i get a kind of live feed of people's impressions in a community Mm. that i'm already interested in Yeah. yeah or if i'm not following something that I'm interested in just on that day. Like I want to follow along with like the Notre Dame fire that happened a while back or something like that. I can pull up a hashtag for that thing and I can get people's takes specifically on that thing just by following that. Like if I'm watching the Super Bowl or I'm watching whatever. I know there's lots of craziness on Twitter and and there's lots of people who have lots of outrageous extreme takes on things. But I feel like I can filter that out. I don't have to see that stuff if I don't want to, and Mm. I don't. So I can focus in on the things that I actually care about and just follow along with those things. And I can kind of get rid of all of the junk that I get tired of seeing on other social media sites like Facebook. And I can avoid the like kind of FOMO stuff that happens Mm. on Instagram. Yeah. I can just stick to my K-State Wildcat recruiting (laughs) updates on Twitter that no one else cares about except for me. Mm. And I can just hang out in my little tribe, my little group. Yeah. I follow you on Twitter. I think that's why I like Twitter. How many times have I tweeted? Dude, most of your tweets are like K-State stuff. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I've probably tweeted a grand total of 
10 times in the last like five years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't tweet yeah. hardly ever. I just use it to follow other people. Twitter was going to be my tie for first, but I'm giving it to YouTube. I oh. have gotten into this YouTube hole where I spend all of my free time. Like I watch TV shows with Brie, but if I'm left to my own devices, I will go on YouTube and just go down weird oh YouTube sounds holes. Like my husband does hole. this. Yeah. Like I will for- just. I long period yeah i just jump through different like i'll watch i the other day i watched someone put together a full computer for no reason like i just it was just cool I was like, okay cool like just watching him set up his desk and i'm like why? zombie yeah yeah brielle yeah. she's like why are you watching this i'm like i don't know, I don't know. It's, oh. cool. it's cool yeah but i go down the weird youtube i watch a lot of music reviews on youtube yes anthony fantano the guy does every album review ever cody was great. sick the other day uh and he was home for like four hours and he was like so i watched a lot of youtube today and yeah. i watched this video about like the deepest hole in the world <laughs> no, like, yeah, like, like that kind of stuff yeah. happens i was like okay that's cool yeah but he had a great time so. it's the internet's public access tv like yeah. it's just like everyone it's true i mean like if yeah. i grew up watching like pbs or whatever my yes. kids are growing up watching youtube like yeah. youtube is the app that kids use yeah, yeah. It which is. is terrifying because there's oh, also some stuff on there where you're like please don't get into that oh it's terrifying there's also stuff i mean like my daughter av who's seven she would sit around and just watch toy unboxing videos all day long yeah i let her that's a thing she's fascinated by those yeah so and for a minute there like the other day i was testing last weekend specifically i was like making fun of all these conspiracy theorists with Uh brie and then she like left and i was like these guys are so dumb i want to watch one and then you watched like and i'm like like, sitting there like (laughs) my hands are on my knees like oh man okay (laughs) i was reading an article the other day about like youtube moderators and how horrifying honestly of a job sure have to go through all of these explicit videos and like flag them and take them down and stuff but one of the interesting points of this was they were saying research is showing that people who watch these youtube videos to moderate them they actually end up believing conspiracy (laughs) theories Like and getting sucked into them because they watch so many of them. I bet they just spend all day watching conspiracy videos and they get sucked into actually believing them. Man, man, maybe lizards are in charge. Exactly. (laughs) Be careful of that YouTube wormhole, man. Yeah, watch out. It is my turn for a confession session, and I have a confession to make. We're about nine weeks away from our third child being born. Wow. So we're going to have a son. It's a big deal. And I'm really genuinely excited about it. And I'm also terrified. Mm. Yeah. And so that's kind of my confession is that I'm actually kind of scared about having a third child. I feel like this is just one of those things that's kind of taboo to talk about because Mm. children are a gift from God. (laughs) And like, you know, and people joke about how hard it is to have kids like, but we joke about it. Right. Like we joke about like, oh, I'm so tired because kids and oh, kids and what. But sometimes I feel like we don't really get into like the Mm. really dark, gritty part of this. And Mm. I had a honestly really difficult experience when our second child, Arwen, was born. Not just me. My wife did as well. I've been fortunate enough at this point in my life to never really have struggled with depression Mm. or anything like that on like an ongoing basis. Yeah, Mm. it's not like a regular struggle of mine, but I do think I kind of experienced postpartum depression after our second child. And that was kind of my first brush with that. Mm. Uh, And it was a really dark place to be in. And I think one of the things that got me was it caught me so off guard. Like I wasn't expecting 
Yep. That yeah. and I was kind of expecting, oh, we're having a child. It's the miracle of life. Yes. And everything the, like, is wonderful. Right. It's happy and wonderful and babies are cute and great. And mm. that was not my experience at all. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just start adding things on top of that. Mm. Guilt being a big one. Okay, I just had a child, this cute little baby, and I resent my child. I shouldn't feel this way about my own child. I'm supposed to love my baby, right? Like right. unconditional love. And oh my gosh, I've never loved anything more. And all I can think of is like looking at my baby who's been screaming for three hours and going, I wish you would go away. Yeah. Right. So all of that, I'm like, mm. I guess maybe I have like PTSD or something over like <laughs> Not having a sure. baby. That makes yeah. sense. Because now I'm heading into this again and I'm going, yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. It's been yeah. four years since we've had a baby right. and there's a reason why. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And that's because my wife and I have kind of been scared, honestly, to yeah. go down this road again because it was so hard last time. Yeah. yeah. That's totally fair i don't know how people do it i've obviously never been there but watching from the outside i'm like man how do you handle that it seems rough and i have i have a number of close friends in the last couple of years who have had children for the first time and we've had some very frank honest conversations and one of my friends who struggled to get pregnant and so it was even more of this like this is such a gift right and then like the first however many months of this child's life she was like i do not know how to handle this like yeah and i think that if there's any sort of comfort i can offer you is that the fact that you're willing to talk about it and willing to be vulnerable about it and the fact that you're even like concerned about how you feel about it yeah indicates how good of a parent you currently are and will be true i think that that's really great you're a very mindful person about how you feel about things so mm. i would much rather you keep reproducing than people who are like <laughs> you know babies they just think about them as their babies and then, like they don't care at all they just like, sleep all the, the time. fact that you yeah. care this much just indicates a lot of good things so that's i know very true nothing will like hit you on the back of the head like depression does because you feel bad Mm. Then you feel guilty for feeling bad. Right. Then you don't talk about it. Then you feel guilty for not talking about how you feel guilty for feeling bad. (laughs) Like breaking that cycle will bring in way more comfort Mm. than it would judgment. Like I promise you. Yeah, that's good. And I think talking about it is important. There's a larger cultural issue we Mm. have with talking about going through hard things. Yeah. Yeah. And this would definitely be one of those things, especially things that we feel like there should be some sort of societal pressure to enjoy that thing or that thing is a blessing or whatever. And it's a real thing in in some cases talking about people struggling with infertility, right? Like there's a lot of people who are walking through that and that's really difficult. And so it can feel like, really, I'm going to complain about Mm. this blessing that other people want so badly. And, but it's not about that. It's not about saying like this thing that you want and I have, it's actually not that good or something. Cause it it is good. Right. And like, I wouldn't trade, we're having a third child, right? Even after the experience of all of that with the second one, we decided to have one more. Yeah. Mm. And so that should say something. But yeah, just because something is also a blessing doesn't mean it's not also hard. Yep. Right. And that we shouldn't talk about things that are hard and seek help from other people. Yeah. And that's the big thing that I think my wife and I have kind of been talking about lately is like, let's not be afraid to ask for help. Absolutely. uh, Because we're going to need it. And yeah. most of the time when we've asked people for help, we've been surprised by how willing to help people oh, are. Absolutely. You know, like when you seek support from other people, mm-hmm. most of the time people are actually really willing to give it. Mm-hmm. 
time now for the conversation. On this episode, we're talking cancel culture. If you don't spend a fair bit of time on Twitter, yeah, it sure. might not even be a phrase that you're really plugged into mm. or aware of. I wasn't super plugged into it yeah, until either. pretty recently where yeah. it's kind of hit this fever pitch now. The thing is, the idea behind cancel culture is not necessarily new. Yeah. And I mean, we can go back to, say, about 20 years ago in the 90s. There were a lot of boycotts happening in the 90s. That was kind of a big thing back then. I mean, on the Christian side, you had the boycott of Disney, which was a huge deal. I mean, you had everyone from American Family Radio and Focus on the Family, the Southern Baptist Convention, wow. all boycotting Disney. I didn't know it was that big a deal. Yeah, it, it was huge That's back huge. then. I mean, people saying, oh, we're not going <laughs> to go to your theme parks. We're not going to buy your movies. And Man. a lot of it had to do with what people perceived as kind of changing family values. Um. That was kind of the bleeding edge of when homosexuality as an issue really started to come to the forefront in our culture mm. and started to become more of a public issue. Right. And Disney was kind of on the the leading edge of driving some of that change. Mm. And it really caught a lot of people off guard and a lot of people were really bothered by it. Mm. From the mainstream side, there was a boycott of Nike that happened in the 1990s. Mm. A lot of people started to become more aware of issues like child labor mm. and mm. where are my products coming from? Are they ethically mm. sourced? That's, again, gotten even more of a fever oh, church yeah. in more recent years. But this is kind of when it started. People starting to be like, wait a second, where do these things come from? Yeah. And, mm. uh, and they realize, wait, these are being made by children in third world countries and that's not mm. okay. And right. Nike, you need to be accountable to this and you need to have sustainable practices and all of these things. Some of that starting in the 90s is what kind of I think drove some change that continues to be felt today. Yeah. Sure. And today this cancel culture thing has basically become a, a Twitter hashtag yeah. and it's become a really, really big deal. Mm. Again, both mainstream and Christian subculture kind of tapping into this. On the mainstream side, I think of things like institutions, like Chick-fil-A is yeah. probably one of the big ones mm. yep. where mainstream culture is really, really wrestling with this. I mean, I even remember the quote from uh, mm -hmm. The Good Place in one of the episodes where the main character is talking about Chick-fil-A and she's like, it's so confusing to live a, a morally upstanding life on earth. I mean, there's this place that creates incredibly delicious chicken sandwiches, <laughs> but if you eat them, you hate gay people. Uh. Right? And like, so that's kind of the mainstream uh. take on Chick-fil-A, whether yeah. that, I'm not saying that's true or not true, yeah. but that's the take that's from, take, from mainstream yeah. culture. Mm. And it's not just institutions. Individuals are yeah. getting canceled mm. left and right. And this might be the biggest thing that's happening right now everyone from aziz ansari which is funny because in his stand-up he had had a segment about how yeah. he didn't eat chick-fil-a and people like right. applauded him he's like right. i quit eating chicken don't applaud for me and then like later on there was he's like an the attempt of, to cancel yeah, him it's being so canceled that yeah. is funny louis ck uh r kelly Michael Jackson. I mean, we're, yeah. we're wrestling yeah. with some of these and some of these are easier than others, right? Like everyone yeah. has kind of come to this consensus. All right, we're going to cancel R. Kelly because he did lots of bad stuff and it's pretty obvious that he did it. Yeah. And that's open and shut, right? Yeah. yeah. Other stuff, culture's wrestling with a little more like Aziz Ansari who like, well, did he just have a really bad day or did he actually right. act inappropriately? Should he be canceled? Right. What should he be canceled from? Like, right. Or what about digging up old tweets? This is a, a big deal as well. Like Kevin Hart 
ended up not being able to host the Academy Awards because mm-hmm. we dug up some really old tweets from him where he made some racist jokes and stuff. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, should he be canceled as a result of that or should yeah. he not? We wrestle with this on the Christian side as well. Institutionally, there's things like Target, right? Yeah. We got really angry at Target about the whole bathrooms thing a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. As far as individuals go, I kind of think about like James McDonald, who's the uh, pastor or was the pastor, I should say, mm-hmm. at Harvest Bible Chapel. He's kind of been an example of this whole celebrity pastor thing of them having these big falls from grace. And now we're kind of going, should we cancel celebrity pastors? And there's some real good questions about these things. I think we could jump right in and say, like, cancel culture is dumb and we should cancel cancel culture (laughs) because it's an overreactions and whatever. In Mm. some cases, I'm not sure that that's the case, though. Right. I mean, yeah. R. Kelly did some really bad stuff. Right. Yeah. Kevin Spacey did some really bad stuff. Yeah. Cosby did some bad stuff. Mm. There probably should be some consequences for those actions, right? And right, so yeah. that's what we're wrestling with. When should we cancel someone or boycott someone? When shouldn't we? What should consequences look like? Mm. We want to get into all of that in the conversation today. And I'm kind of seeing this as two separate issues. We're saying, like, what does it look like when we're canceling a person from the entertainment industry or from like a Christian ministry Mm. perspective? So canceling the person versus canceling an enterprise, (laughs) canceling a company. So, Mm. like, canceling Aziz Ansari looks way different than canceling Chick-fil-A to me. Like, that's very true. And it kind of gets sticky for me when we're going into canceling people. Mm. as a means of entertainment because when we say Aziz Ansari it looks like he had a situation with someone who's saying that he did something inappropriate right right Right. R. Kelly there's all of these like formal charges being filed against him Mm -hmm. about what the state feels they can bring against him yeah for crimes but socially we're applying the same sort of like Mm. consequences to both people regardless of severity of like intensity of what they've done we got on Kevin Hart for having some very troubling tweets from 10 plus years ago. Mm. And we applied the same thing to him as we did Louis C.K., where he had more what I would say problematic things. Behavior. That yeah. 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 Behavior. And it just gets weird to me saying like, OK, you can say the wrong thing or you can do all of these terrible things. But mm. as a society, we have the same. We don't right. talk to you anymore. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is like there's a lot of complexity. Yeah. Involved yeah. in this issue. We're talking about institutions versus individuals. We're talking about words that people have said versus behavior. We're talking in some cases about actual criminal activity, yeah. which mm. is a kind of a big deal. We're talking about social issues and, mm. and people that disagree. I, th- I mean, uh, take the Chick-fil-A thing, for example right you have the mainstream culture who is largely pro-homosexuality and says i don't know what to do with chick-fil-a because they're violating my values then you have christian subculture it's kind of split honestly but there's a very large subsection of christian culture which says chick-fil-a is one of my favorite companies because they represent my values right and so it's not all like a one size fits all thing either and in some of these cases it's Mm -hmm. splitting people so let's start here Are there times where you would say, yes, it is appropriate for us to boycott or cancel somebody or something? I feel like there are appropriate times for that. The tricky thing, like we've described, is where is that line? But I was reading something this week that described it in a really helpful way, an article on the Gospel Coalition website where they talked about we live in a fallen world. Sometimes power gets abused. Mm. Sometimes it's important. It's necessary to call someone to account right through maybe a boycott by using your money or your resources when there's something evil or unethical 
happening, it seems like it's the right thing to do at times to say, hey, not cool. Let's have some accountability here. This whole cancel culture thing, it wasn't born out of a vacuum. No, like it's a response to something. Mm, Yeah, that's true. And we have a lot of social issues that we've even talked about here on the show that are kind of driving these responses. Like, for example, the whole Me Too campaign. Right. And how we're treating women. A lot of this cancel culture stuff is a response to people that we are saying these people are abusing their power Mm. over women. Right. Right. We're talking about Aziz Ansari and Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein and all of these people. Yeah. And we're saying that's not okay. Yeah. And we're not going to stand for that anymore. Right. And the cancel culture thing has come out of that. So I think we have to be very aware of where this is coming from. That's true. As we analyze it, because we're responding to something that was also a problem. And I guess the question is, like in in some of these cases, are we over responding? Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think there are times where response is appropriate. Yeah. Because the behavior was inappropriate. I mean, yeah. like, let's take Harvey Weinstein for an example. There's an overwhelming amount of evidence that he committed improprieties. Yeah. And I haven't seen really anyone that says Harvey deserves to be able to make more movies. Mm. Right. Because what we're saying is this is a person who is in power in the movie industry. Yes. He used his power in incredibly inappropriate ways. Right? Yes. He should have that power taken away from him. He shouldn't right. make movies anymore. Right. That seems like pretty appropriate consequences for his actions, right? right? Right. And it feels like there's a difference between that and someone saying, you have an opinion that I disagree with. Therefore, you are canceled. Right. Like as a person or a company, like there's a difference there. We're allowed to have opinions, even if you feel as if the other person's opinion is wrong. Right. You can't necessarily just universally cancel someone or something. You can choose not to spend your money on that thing. Right. And that's fine. But how do you draw the line between, no, we need to call them to account for that. And you just have a different opinion than I do about a thing. Therefore, you're canceled completely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it comes down to very careful consideration and honestly checking your motivations with it. Like what it should be a good response for me in this moment when I think, okay, I've learned that this company has different beliefs than I do. Is me calling for a cancellation of this entity on Twitter really the right call or can I just stop? doing that yeah. like mm. do i want to be the main platformer for this campaign right. against a company and right. mm. i think a lot of the times social media has let us become like our own soapboxes where all of our causes are the most important causes in the mm. entire world because yeah. there are causes well i do think as individuals we derive some power from the use of our wallet and mm. the use of our time right and so if we want to make a statement about how we disagree with how some company let's say in particular is doing business or whatever we have the right to respond to that by not patronizing them right right, right. and that's fair obviously we, we have that right and that right should be respected now yeah. whether it is the right thing to do is different yeah. from whether we have a right to do it right. right but i think there are times where it's the right thing to do as well, right? Yeah. I think of the specific example that has come up a lot as I've been reading and researching about this is the boycott of the public busing system in Montgomery during the 1960s. Mm. It seemed like a very appropriate part of a response Mm. to a government that was exercising coercive control over people. Right. In those situations, it seems very appropriate to respond in that way. And I think there are other things that we do on a much smaller scale all the time as well. 
There are people who say, I don't believe this company, say Facebook, for example, Mm -hmm. has my best interests in mind Mm -hmm. and they violated my privacy. So I'm not going to use them anymore. Right. Right. That's a very just individual decision at times where we say like my values don't line up with this company's values. And even if I'm not going to make a big public stink about it. Right. I'm going to stop using that. Right. And And we make those smaller value judgments all the time. time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with those. No, no, I don't think it's wrong at all. Like I said, it comes down to kind of maybe just like an examination of how you're going about your boycott. I mean, where it gets messier is with people, because like I said, we're looking at cancellation of entertainment industry people with these giant campaigns going against people for various different issues. Yeah. What are 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 we doing with that? So the big question there is where do we draw the line when it comes to unethical behavior? (laughs) That's a, that's a really big question. Huge question. Obviously. I'm glad you asked. I have the answer to (laughs) it. Okay. So let's take some examples. The Mm -hmm. Kevin Hart thing, I think is an interesting example. He had some tweets that by all accounts were things that he probably should not have said yeah. and should not have said publicly. Mm-hmm. Right. But they were what? I think it was like a decade old. I, I want to make sure I'm getting my facts right. There was mm-hmm. a long time. I, I want to like, yeah. say it was like 10 years old or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He had been announced to be hosting the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These tweets came up and he was removed from the show. Mm-hmm. He initially refused to apologize, which was interesting mm-hmm. because most people... When they're caught in one of these, they kind of come out, do the PR thing, apologize right away to try to clear it up. Mm. And uh, he had an interesting quote. Here's what he said. He said, when did we get to the point where we forgot that we all learn, we all have the ability to grow, and that with growth comes a wealth of knowledge? Please grasp this and use it in 2019. I think he has a little bit of a point here. I'm not Mm. saying necessarily whether he should or shouldn't have been removed from the Academy Awards, Mm. but... He's talking about, you know, okay, yes, I I said some things 10 years ago I shouldn't have said. And he basically said, if you don't believe that people can't grow over the course of a decade, I don't know what to tell you because Mm. I've changed. I'm not the same person that I was then. So should I be held accountable today for my actions or my words rather back then? I don't know really is my answer (laughs) to that. But I think it is a fair point to bring into the conversation Mm. Which is at least when it comes to canceling people for something that they said or an old tweet somewhere on Twitter, is there a statute of limitations? Is it right? I mean, my conclusion is I don't think we can make some like hard and fast rule about that. No. Well, like, well, if you said it and it was at least 10 years ago, then it doesn't count. <laughs> right. right. Well, yeah. Not necessarily, not necessarily true. Like if I said some really hateful, hurtful, terrible things 10 years ago yes. and it got brought up today, I might have to be held accountable to yeah. those things. It depends mm. on what was said. Right. I mean, it's true. No matter how we try, it seems like we can't just like draw these lines in the sand where we say this is the point where something mm. that was OK becomes not okay yeah and i don't necessarily think this is a new problem i just think that we have a new way of dealing with it through social media like this is Mm -hmm. something that we're now experiencing like we don't know what big entertainment figures thoughts were at 2 a.m on a couch in the (laughs) 1940s like we didn't have access to them then but we now have access to like the unedited version Mm -hmm. of everyone that we listen to and all the artists that we enjoy and Mm -hmm. i think going with that as we start realizing that putting people on a pedestal is just a Mm -hmm. bad idea from the Mm -hmm. jump like maybe (laughs) maybe looking at kevin hart as my moral leader is maybe not the best call and that's something too that it feels like this cancel culture perpetuates is this like dehumanization of people like of celebrities, but of everybody, like, Mm. are we carrying this into our regular life and just looking at the people that we disagree with and being like, well, you're canceled because like, I mean, again, legitimately there are hurtful, evil things that are done that people need to be held accountable for. Yeah. But is there a place for 
making sure that we're not dehumanizing people in the process of holding people accountable. Yeah. Right. I love that you even said dehumanizing because even the language of canceling someone as right. if they're a service that you're like, mm. like we right. talked about earlier, as if they're a service that you subscribe to for your entertainment. Like that's yeah. like so jacked up. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, and if we are looking at our relationships that way, how messed up are our relationships going to be? Like as soon as you stop being useful to me, I'm going to cancel you. Like, yeah. That is messed up. We have this a lot when it comes to celebrities. You hear someone on the radio, on TV, in a movie, whatever. Yeah. Mm. They seem more like a product or service than a person That's to true. us That's at times. True. Because they really just exist for our entertainment. Yeah. And so, yeah, we kind of can drop them because we don't really have like a personal a relationship, relationship You're right. yeah. with those people. That's but true. But we can't lose sight of the fact that now in 2019, we have, in some cases, personal access to these people. Yes. Right. And so what yeah. happens is, say I'm watching, um, I don't know, a football game at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching my team and the receiver drops a ball in the end zone, doesn't catch a touchdown. And in the heat of the moment, I'm like, oh, I can't believe this guy. He dropped the ball. What a terrible receiver. He's a horrible person. I hate mm. him forever because he did this. <laughs> we've been doing that for forever. Right. Right. Yeah. In the privacy of our own homes. Right. We've been complaining about, you know, that football player or mm. that actor or whoever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or in a conversation with a friend, we make jokes about some actor in that conversation. We're not really treating them like a person, which we could discuss, you know, the ethics of that. But we're also not doing it to that person's face. Right. Now we jump to 2019. What happens when someone drops a touchdown pass? People tweet them yeah. directly and <laughs> yeah. say, you're a terrible person and for dropping that pass. Right. Yeah. And they're reading these and, and it's become like we have access to real life people. Mm. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's there's a big difference there. We're, we're kind of in this in between phase right now mm. where I think we're trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, we could talk about canceling theoretically some random celebrity that I have no relationship with and they're never going to hear me say it either. So right. kind of what does it matter? matter kind of a thing but now all of a sudden they're just a couple points away from me or uh, I, can, I can tweet them or I can, I can reach them there's access to these people yeah. I think that access kind of changes the game a little bit mm. yeah when you get flooded with angry tweets about something that you've done making a mistake that changes the dynamic of how your day goes right by oh a man lot. yeah so, especially when imagine. you're getting thousands of them yeah. right you know? and now that's for something as innocuous as dropping, dropping a, touchdown a touchdown pass there's nothing immoral about yeah. that right. despite our outrage <laughs> but when it comes to something more like the kevin hart situation maybe there is something there in terms of something that was unethical that happened mm -hmm. still i think we have to be really careful about is our outrage that we express in response proportionate mm. to whatever the offense was. Yeah. I mean, I think about even the three of us, right? Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you don't know any of the three of us in this room. If I say something on this podcast where you're like, that's not something yeah. that Anson should have mm -hmm. said, or it's something that I disagree with. What's your response to that going to be? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you have access to me. You can send me an email. You can tweet me. You can yeah. probably find me and send me something. Mm. And there's a big difference between saying, hey, dude, you said this thing. And I can you explain that? I'm not sure I agree with it. Here's mm. what I think. Yeah. Or you could say Anson's a terrible person and we're canceling Anson. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that the kind of response you would have to someone else that you had access to in person? Yeah. Right. Mm. Like if I'm sitting down at lunch and Isaac says something, and I'm like, yo, dude, I don't agree with that. You're canceled. Look, right. <laughs> and you just walk away. <laughs> I just walk off. Like, <laughs> 
that that's not how uh, relationships work. No, yeah. right? Not. Like, now let's take this example. I'm going to use Isaac as the example here. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. You ready for it? Ready. I mean, let's step up Isaac's levels of offense, right? If he says something I disagree with or he takes a stance I disagree with, should I cancel him? In my mm, opinion, no. No. Okay, we disagree. I yeah. still happen to like Isaac as a person. Sure. Right? Yeah. I can deal with the fact that we disagree. I'm not canceling Isaac. Yeah. Now let's say Isaac says something at work to a coworker that was inappropriate. Mm. Okay. We're starting to step into a different kind yeah. of territory here. Mm. I still don't think I'm going to say Isaac is canceled. Mm. Right. I don't know. Depending on what it was, he may, it may not have been a fireable offense, but it's probably something we need to have a conversation about right? Yeah. and talk about and try to figure out. Now let's say Isaac committed a crime. <laughs> let's tread lightly here. I mean, I'm not going to go into like specifically what Isaac did, Yeah. but if he, if he committed a felony or something, he's probably going to get fired from his job right. for mm-hmm. that because there are consequences for our actions. Right. right? And that's, justified if isaac committed a crime that you know he didn't kill somebody or something like that but he he stole or i don't know what he did but he did something where he's going to go to jail for a year or two Mm. then guess what he gets out right so then then what does it look like from there should he get another job should he never be able to work again like Mm. what does canceling isaac mean right like Mm. canceling has this kind of idea in my head that it's permanent like finality right like you are done for forever Are there things that where people should be canceled, should be done for forever? Well, we put people in jail for life when they do some pretty terrible things. Right. Mm. But short of those really terrible things, we don't do that a lot. Now, should there be certain things maybe where we would say Isaac cannot work as a Christian radio DJ again because Mm. he did this? There probably are some things he could do that would disqualify him from that work. Right. Mm-hmm. But do they disqualify him from ever having another job from no. existing right. from, from, right. you know, like, full employment in any capacity? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So we have to kind of define like what does canceling mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if it means taking away this person's power and platform because yes. they abused it. Right. I think that might be a pretty appropriate consequence in right. some cases. Right. It makes sense. Does it mean they should never have a shot at ever doing anything meaningful in their lives ever again? No. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. We have to bring into this conversation. Where is there room for restoration right. and redemption and grace? Because we all need that. And if we don't, <laughs> if we don't leave room for that for the people that we don't like who have screwed up and. Granted, restoration doesn't necessarily mean giving them all of their power back, right. Right. but it can mean, hey, there's a chance here to turn your life around. There's a chance here for relationship and yeah. for redemption in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In prepping for this, I stumbled across this person, Kimberlyn Foster, who had this amazing quote, punishment is not justice. So hmm. when we collectively get together and say, OK, this person is done. Yeah, we feel this great sense of, you know, Outrage. We got him. Like, yeah. you know, like you cue the music. We got him. Let's all celebrate. Okay, well, we have punished this person. Are mm-hmm. we completely removing the possibility that this person can ever go beyond mm-hmm. the bad thing that they've done? Might as well have they died the mm-hmm. second they did that bad thing. Because yeah. like, really, that's what we're saying. Like, is this person now reduced to the one bad thing that they've we're done? saying you're irredeemable. Right. Yeah. And as Christians, we have some big things that bump up against that. Yeah, yeah. Saying that someone is completely unredeemable. I think one of the I think one of the big things we have to do as a part of that process is checking our own 
motives yeah. when it comes to wanting to cancel someone. Yeah. Are we wanting to join a mob because it's kind of fun in a dark way? Yeah. Or are we wanting to truly bring real justice yeah. to right. like a marginalized person or group of people? Right. Yeah. Right. Like what is our motivation for the idea of canceling someone? Mm. Do we just enjoy seeing people get cut down? Do we enjoy watching giants fall? Yeah. Like, because mm. I think if most of us are honest, there's something about that that we do enjoy oh, 100%. Yeah. at times, right? Yeah. I mean, like, can we admit to that? Yeah, I would admit to that. Like, there's a reason why, like, celebrity gossip magazines exist and like why there's a whole industry around these things is because we kind of like watching people fall from grace. And I think part of it goes back to this dehumanization thing. Well, I kind of like watching a terrible thing happening to that person because I don't really know them as a person. Right. Right? We would never wish that on anybody that we have a personal relationship with. But when it comes to someone who we don't really know and Mm. we kind of enjoy watching them fall, we have a word for that. It's called malice having evil intent, enjoying watching other people suffer. And I think we got to be really, really careful with that because we can kind of get whipped up into this outrage frenzy with social media where we go like, yeah, grab your pitchforks. There's (laughs) memes about it. even Grabbing the pitchforks and the torches and Mm. going to crucify someone. Yeah. Like, let's be really careful and make sure we check our own motives and take some time to be sure of what we're doing before we start stoning somebody absolutely the crazy thing about this is that it's so isolating like it puts this person that we've now decided is canceled on the island they might as well have died when they've done this wrong thing we're done with them Mm. and i think that that kicks out the entire concept of restorative justice where we're saying the alternative to that is let's maybe see how we can reconcile this person Mm. for the sake of Everyone involved, not just the person that's done something wrong, but the victims, everyone involved in the situation. How do we make this right for everyone? Mm. How do we find a way for this person to correct what they've done rather than just be punished for it? Mm. And I think that the cancel culture leaves out correction. Like it leaves out a way for this person to make something right. We're just saying we're done with you. Right. You get like one shot. That almost that almost takes the responsibility away from them where they're just going like, well, okay, well, at least I don't have to fix this. Mm. You've now broken this. Just go get out of the house. There's no way for you to fix it. Mm. Don't even try. And I think that limits (laughs) limits your possibilities. If you're in the middle of doing something bad right now, Mm -hmm. you have any sort of status. What's your motivation right now to own up to it and say, I want to stop this behavior. I need your help. Because if there's a mob at your door ready to just throw you on the island, why would you try to change? And we've seen a lot of examples of people who have been involved in in these cases not take those steps. Right. And that's a challenge. Like when you have someone like James McDonald Mm. who gets fired uh, from being the pastor of his church. He literally hasn't said a word yet about any of the allegations. He hasn't Mm -hmm. apologized for anything that he's done. Wow. That piece kind of has to happen for this restorative process to begin. Right. You have to own own it to your mistakes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with some of these other cases like uh, Weinstein or some of these people who some of them have maybe offered half apologies like, oh, well, I, you know, I did make mistakes, but I didn't do that or I didn't do this or I didn't. When that's happening, it's kind of like, all right, well, that's a key thing that has to occur mm. before we can really move on towards healing. Right. I think there are cases where you have people who come out and say like, yes, I own up to it. I said those things. I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I promise I'm trying to change. I'm trying to become a better person. What do we do there? Again, I think there are certain lines we have to draw. Like in, mm-hmm. in the case of say like a pastor or something who like violates the trust of his congregation Mm. Should he become a pastor again? Probably not because he abused that power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there 
other restorative things that can happen though? Does that mean he should never be part of a church again? Yeah. No. Like, no, yeah. I don't think that's the case, right? Yeah. How can we find avenues for restoration yeah. while mm. also still honoring the fact that there are consequences for abuse? While yeah. protecting the victims. Right, because the Isaac, the made a, Isaac made a really great point, which yeah. is that restorative justice isn't just about the perpetrator. Yes. It's also about the victim. Yeah. And so we can't mm. just say, yeah, we want to seek restoration for this person at the expense of no. all of their victims. Absolutely. Right. This all makes me think of a quote that I read in a book called Coming Clean by Seth Haynes. And he's actually quoting Robert Mullen. God is present to us in the most destructive aspects of our cultural captivity. God is involved with us in the most imprisoning bondage of our brokenness. God meets us in those places of our lives most alienated from him. He's there in grace, offering us forgiveness, cleansing, liberation, and healing. We need to begin the journey toward wholeness in Christ. I know that's very, let's just throw, I don't want to just try to wrap it up with a bow and be Mm -hmm. like, here you go. Here's the answer. But it's just so hopeful to me that like in my own places, I don't just get one shot and I'm done. Mm. That's it. Sorry, you're canceled because like we would all be yeah, canceled. Let's right. be realistic. God is present to us in our own destructive aspects. Yeah. And yes, there are consequences, but he's also walking with us in those places towards restoration. Time now for On Repeat, and I have the beta tester on repeat this week. It's the song that you guys are loving, and it's God Only Knows by For King and Country. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. But God only knows the real you. There's a kind of love that God only knows. So I can totally see why the beta testers are loving this song. This is a great song from a great album. This album really pulls at the heartstrings. I think Mm. it came from some of the members of the band walking their family members through some addiction and some recovery, some really hard places. And this song, I think, came out of that. But I was watching some behind the scenes videos about it, specifically this part. the, The chorus says, God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. So it's basically walking through these kind of invisible places that we struggle very much kind of like what we've been talking about today, actually, and how we tend to look at people in a vacuum and only see this one, one piece of information about Mm -hmm. them. We see this Mm -hmm. one moment of their lives and we pronounce final judgments on them from that one moment. He's talking about if we could see the history and the backstory and the wounds and the trauma that every single person has been through that we interact with, what would that be like? And so this song is kind of addressing God only knows what you've actually been through. For those who have been through things that are unimaginable, you're like, you know, there's no way I could ever tell anybody this. There's redemption and hope in this idea of we're all kind of walking in this. We all have a history that nobody really knows except God. Mm. But for the lonely, for the ashamed, it says the misunderstood and the ones to blame. What if we could start over? That's exactly what we've been talking about today, that there is redemption because there's this God that says, I know it all. I see it all. Let's start over. And I love the way that they turn that phrase, like God only knows, which Mm. is kind of just this quip that we use in like modern language Mm. into something really deeply meaningful. There are things about us that only God knows. Mm. And yet there's a kind of love Mm. that only God has. And that love overcomes all of those things. Mm. My personal unrepeat this week is left out by Peabody. If it's my party every 
Okay, guys. <laughs> this is one of my favorite songs in the entire world. Right really? <laughs> That's I, cool. I'm going to flex the hipster muscles right now. I saw Peabody before anyone did. Uh-huh. And I was 50-50 on him at the time. Yeah. I didn't really? know. This was before Left Out came out. I've liked his other stuff. This one hits me right where I have some of my strongest beliefs of inclusion and love. Mm. And this song is just soaked with it. Like, <laughs> there's a direct line. My God loves all of his children, all 7.61 billion. That includes you. And that's a real good feeling. Makes me want to dance till I can't tell the floor from the ceiling. And if I could just encapsulate how I feel. <laughs> like it's just Isaac's just, anthem. Huh? If my like personal, like spiritual anthem is condensed. Yeah. It's that. It <laughs> sound awesome. like you. And I think that this song, it. it's in a total like cheese ball, like just yeah. fun party song. That's but awesome. I love that. Can like, I just say, I kind of love his cheese ball. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I find it refreshing. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I love NF and all of these guys, the woke rap and all the, you yeah. know, yeah. the conscious rap and like, but I don't know. There's something kind yeah. of refreshing about a guy who's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be totally cheese ball in right. an era where it's yeah. not very cool to be cheese yeah. ball. And yeah. I'm just going to own it. I'm right. just going to go there. And this song actually kind of encapsulates yeah. that idea. Yeah. For like sure. It kind of talks about that. Yeah. Mm. No one is a harsher critic of yourself than we are. Like, we're, <laughs> we're already like pulling the NF on ourselves. Yeah. And Peabody kicks down the door with balloons and a yeah. skateboard. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, hey. <laughs> so, like, with like a really terrible dance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like that just kind of. With no rhythm or something. Uh, I don't know. Like, it blasts amazing. happiness The, into the line day. about the dancing always gets me because I've never loved dancing. <laughs> like because I'm so self-conscious about it. Yeah. Aww. I'm like people watching me. And, and he like talks about this idea of like, I don't know if I can dance, but I'm going to anyway. Like, yeah. And I just, Aww. I love that attitude. And it's one I wish I could adopt more often. Yeah. You know, like it just dropped the self-conscious thing. Like, Who just, cares? Like just, just roll with it. it yeah. You know? All right, that brings us to the end of our episode today. And guys, there's only one thing left to do. What's and that? that is wait expectantly at our email inboxes oh, no. to see if someone will send us an angry <laughs> cancellation <laughs> notice no. as a result of this episode. You can follow me and cancel me on Twitter at Isaac, E-Y-E-Z-A-H-K. You would kind of probably H-K. like to be canceled just for, oh. the, just for the experience, right? Bring like, it. <laughs> I dare you to cancel What are you going to do? Take my student debt from me? <laughs> for listening to the real talk podcast from real fm catch real talk with anson and kara from 4 to 7 p.m live every weekday on real fm radio the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of john brown university klrc radio or real fm